0: for joining the Joshua Nation's Inheritance Podcast, where we discuss God, the Bible, and God's purpose for your life. Be inspired and encouraged to engage in transforming the world around you. This would be a message of hope of encouragement, It'll be one you can preach to your congregations, anything we share that you take and share with anybody. In times like these, a lot of unknowns, Uh, surely there's things that are unexpected that are happening, but uh, we believe God. And so in America, fear and doubt and anxiety is at an all-time high. Uh, The election that's before us and still before us uh, Boy, we'd be grateful when it's over. And so, of course, be grateful that Donald Trump will, will win. Donald Trump, Joe Biden, our government is not our savior. And uh, no matter what happens, here we are today, continuing on in the things of the Lord. And um, uh, Jesus is still the savior of the world. He's still the savior of our lives. I've learned uh, over these years to walk with him. I know as you have walked with him, he has never failed you. He has never let you down. He's done great and mighty things through you. We know of your works. We know of the things that God is doing in your lives, and and we hear about them. And for that, we're so grateful. It's good to know that um, in times like these, I think the important thing is how we navigate these times, how we transition, how we move through them, and. I don't know about you, but over the last eight or nine months, all of us have uh, been tempted or subjected to possibly oppression or depression, or even in our best moments, uh, wondering, you know, what what is going to happen worldwide uh, in America and where you are with your churches and opening back up and all the challenges you have done with, and so... Uh, The Apostle Paul lived in perilous times. He said there are perilous times to Timothy, and we're in those times. Dangerous times really is the, the word extreme danger or imminent danger. And all of us, to a degree, we live in that kind of a world. You may live in it far greater than we do. The forces you have to deal with, everyday life and government and uh, so many different things that we don't have to deal with. And uh, so, but um, even in our successes and uh, uh, failures, I've learned that I walk with him and I will continue to walk with him in anything that comes, uh, health, sickness, prosperity, any kind of failure, any kind of forces, I, I will walk with him and the disciples walked with him and Jesus still walks all through history. He still walks with us. And that's the beautiful thing is that he walks with us and lives with us and uh, teaches us. And so no matter what happens around us, no matter what happens today or tomorrow when this election is, is resolved, if it is, we, uh, we live with uh, two things, that we have an unshakable kingdom And we have an unchangeable Christ. And so those are two good things we can hang our hats on, as we say, that our kingdom that we're in with God cannot be shaken. The Hebrews writer tells us that. And then Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we have an unchangeable Christ. So those two truths uh, guide my life and, and, and lift me up through these times is that what I have in Christ cannot be shaken. He's, uh, uh, the unchangeable Christ. He's the same. And for all of us, he is. And I think if anybody knew that the apostle Paul knew it, uh, in Philippians chapter one, verses 12 and 13, I want to read, uh, the apostle Paul, of course, is, uh, in prison and writing to the Philippians. And, uh, Paul says, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard, that's all the soldiers that he was shackled to, and to all the rest. And so kind of tuck that sentence in your mind, not only to the palace guard, but to all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So here's Paul quarantined in prison. He has spent 25% of his ministry behind bars you know, when Paul would go to a city, he wouldn't look for the hotel and see how nice the hotels are. He, he looked for the prisons to see what the prisons were like because he knew sooner or later, he was gonna end up in prison and not in a nice hotel. And so Paul is uh, quarantined in prison. He's shackled or chained to guards 24 hours. He has uh, no hand sanitizer. He has no mask. You know, he's not distancing, and um, he has uh, no good drinking water like uh, we do, and he's cut off from the world, but he's not cut off from God, and he's not cut off from Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and so no matter where we find ourselves, what what condition or what place, uh, we may be cut off from others, but we're never cut off from the Lord, and uh, <laughs> And Paul was in chains, but the gospel wasn't. The gospel is never in chains. And as we find out through Joshua Nations, all the nations we go to, when we get there, the gospel usually has already been there through somebody, albeit a dream or a missionary who's come or whatever. So there's nowhere on the face of the earth that God is not. And that's good news because of the Great Commission and what he's called all of us to do that uh, uh, God's there somewhere in some form in some manifestation, even if it's the moon, the sun, and the stars, every culture, every tribe has some sense of a God or a higher being. And of course, you and myself and, and others, when we take the good news, then it's that good news that, of course, uh, sets the cultures free. And so Paul was in chains, but Paul had a good cellmate, and his cellmate was God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So if you get in prison, no, you got a good cellmate that God's there with you or with me if that were ever to be the case. So I wanna share some truths that uh, I think Paul dealt with in a couple of other truths about King David. But uh, what do we learn from Paul in prison? What do we learn from uh, these last eight or nine months that we have been in some sense quarantined and in a type of seclusion? Uh, It's been different here in America and of course for many of you, but what do we learn out of this experience? I would like to think that I am much better now than I was eight months ago, you know? (laughs) I would like to think that I've learned some things and uh, some truths that I didn't know then. And I'd like to think I'm a better person and a better servant of the Lord now than eight months ago, learning some things we've learned or forced to be learned in our sense of quarantine or uh, in sense of uh, the regulations that have been uh, imposed upon us because of the COVID-19. So the first thing is that uh, Paul did Paul focused on the harvest and not the hell. I'm sure Paul in his prisons experiences, there's a lot of hell. There was a lot of wickedness and a lot of evil and ungodliness, but uh, Paul focused on the harvest and not the hell. With what's happened all of these uh, eight or nine or 10 months, it's easy to focus on the bad that's out there, but we must keep our eyes on the harvest. So uh, Paul was not in a good place, chained to soldiers twenty-four hours a day, and uh, but he was a prisoner of the Lord. Now uh, they knew that, and the Scripture tells us that all of the palace guard, every guard that was chained to the Apostle Paul, heard one thing. They heard the good news, and in Philippians he tells us that, and not only the guards but everybody else the scripture says not only the palace guard but to all the rest and I got thinking who is all the rest well here's how I think it comes down when Paul when the soldiers would go home in the evening time they're having dinner with their wife and their wife would say you know how to go today how to go in that prison that place you know and the soldier would say you know it's amazing i was chained to this man called paul and uh, he was so nice he was so gentle he was he he's like somebody i never met before he he uh, he wasn't swearing and cursing at the, at us and the government and in rome but he was uh, he was the nicest man I've ever met. And you know, he he told me about a man called Jesus. He told me about this man who could set me free and become my savior. And you know, today I accepted Jesus as my savior. And sweetheart, I, I can't tell you how wonderful I feel. And and Paul was such a rich personality because. He focused on the harvest and not the hell. And I think that the richness of our lives, of our personalities, the goodness that's within us, uh, given by God, reaches out to everybody. And they ought to say, you know, there's something different about him, about them, their church, that pastor. There's just something different about him. And, of course, as we focus on the harvest, That is bringing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm here for the furtherance of the gospel, that because of me, the gospel is going to go forth. And so his eyes were on the harvest. During COVID, many things have taken place. And one thing took place one morning at my house by a series of circumstances. In front of me was a 50 year old man, and uh, he was on my deck. And we were talking uh, about um, things, and then he was trained in rabbinic Judaism. He was trained in a synagogue, and he he begins to tell me about all the things he has to do to find God. And so, as he talked, and I listened to the uh, impossible things that I could never do that he had to go through working under a rabbi, and. Uh, as I began to share the gospel with him, he said, you mean to tell me that all I need to do is have faith and believe in Jesus and be born again. And I don't have to do all of these other things in order to come to God. I said, exactly. And all of a sudden, man, tears, just literally shot from his eyes and he began to weep and cry and before I could lead him to the Lord, he was on his knees, bawling like a baby. You know, I love to see grown men cry. (laughs) I really love to see that. And before I could lead him in a prayer to accept Christ, he was praying and repenting and asking Jesus forgiveness. And there he, he wept his way into the arms of Jesus and into eternity. And, I got thinking, you know, this is really what the Lord wants during this time is that the gospel not be chained and the gospel not be restricted in any way. But what are ways that I can, I can uh, spread the gospel? And uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in prayer and told me to start a, a Bible study for my neighborhood. And I live in a neighborhood where it's elderly people and uh, they're older, and uh, so when the Lord spoke that to me, I got thinking, I really don't know how to speak to elderly people. I called my twin brother, Roy, and I said to Roy, I said, you know, I've got these elderly people that I'm supposed to start a Bible study with, and boy, I, I really don't know what to do, and I'm telling him and pleading my case with him, and he interrupted me, and he said, Russ, you are elderly, Well, (laughs) anyway, that took care of that. But now I've been meeting with uh, my neighborhood people and uh, we meet out on a yard and we'll meet in a house wherever the weather allows. And uh, now there's about 15 people and the word is spreading all over this little community. And uh, it came to me that no matter how bad things are in Denver or in America, that I'm to keep my eyes on the harvest and not to hell and you know it's easy around us especially in America and especially where you are to get our minds and our eyes on all the bad and and we're drawn into it because to care for people to help people and uh, churches were shut down in the beginning and and all of a sudden we've got to learn how to navigate this time of uh, somewhat of seclusion and being quarantined in in that sense and so I want to encourage you that uh, people are not the problem, but the hell that's on the earth and the work of Satan is, is the problem. And so we're to navigate this season in that manner. And we've come through a lot of it. And uh, hopefully we're going to, things will change in, in the future. The second thing is that uh, the Lord showed me was to, to be productive in your prison you know, a prison cannot just be what's going on in the government, what's going on around us, but we can live in a prison sometimes in ourselves. We can mentally inflict a prison upon ourselves. Uh, we can get depressed, or we can get oppressed, or if things are different, we're wondering about what's going to happen now. Folks are no longer coming to church. Uh, money may not be coming in, and, and there's so many to feed and to help. Uh, th- there's so much around us that needs to be done, and so uh, Paul was uh, productive in his prison. He writes three prison letters, and uh, sometimes I think Paul was more productive in prison. But uh, we we know he was so productive on his journeys and planning churches. So um, he he writes letters. He receives revelation for you and me, and um, uh, in in the first few days when COVID began uh, here in America. And uh, we're all trying to figure out what is this? What are we going to do? What's it going to look like? And all of these thoughts. And after three or four days, I, I realized that I was just piddling around. I was just doing nothing. I was just caught up like everybody else was. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you got to make this a, a, a productive time. I realized that, and everybody was dealing with COVID in a different way. So I got thinking, well, what can I do? We couldn't go anywhere. And uh, when I came out of COVID, that we want to come out as healthy healers. No matter where we are, we want to become healthy healers and uh, So the Lord had spoken to me about that. And so I uh, pulled a copy of John G. Lake's um, collection of writings. And it's, 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 it's like uh, 972 pages. And uh, so one of the things that I was to do was to read through all of these truths and uh, be a better healer physically of people and, You know, I've always learned you go to the ones that are doing it and know what it's all about. And of course, Jesus and the word. And that's that's our first go to. But I I read through here and took notes. And then uh, I started working on Smith Wigglesworth and just some people of the past, because I knew that when I come out of COVID, I'd want to be better than I was. And so uh, I found myself doing projects of reading and studying and then uh, being productive during the time of COVID. And then as it set in, what we could do in the time we're in prison, to be productive. And uh, of course, Joshua Nations is training and having the honor to come into wherever you are, uh, your car, your home, your kitchen or whatever, and, and to share every week. And then uh, I began to teach on Sunday nights in another state in America through Zoom. And uh, then I've just finished a, a book on integrity. It's called Fight for Integrity, a handbook for Christian leaders and pastors and passionate followers of Jesus on integrity. And so I, I, I worked through that during this COVID time. And now, hopefully, in a month or so, it'll be it'll be printed. But uh, we must be productive in our prison. So we must keep our eyes on the harvest and not the hell. And we must be productive in prison. And then uh, I learned a truth about King David in First Samuel chapter 22. Uh, there's a great story about David who. Uh, uh, ended up in the cave of Adullam. And uh, so David's in a cave, he's kind of quarantined. Saul is chasing him. And so he's, uh, it says that uh, in 1 Samuel 22, uh, verse one, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, they went down there to them. And, And you know the story, everyone who was in distress Everyone who was discontented, they were dissatisfied. These, these 400 men were in debt. You know, how would you like to have them? And, and uh, in, in that time, David began to ripen them into heroes of the faith. But he's in the cave of Adullam, and he becomes captain over these men. He, he drew them to him and begin to work with them and then he went from Mizpah to Moab and he said to the king listen let my parents come and be there until I see what God's going to do with me you see David went into the cave uh you know I think probably he's wondering am I really the call of Israel am I really anointed and why am I running from Saul I should be on the throne, and I think David is wondering about things that I think all of us, from time to time, wonder about. God, what are you doing with me? And so he's uh, he's in the cave, and in 1 Samuel 22 and verse one, it's called the cave of Adullam. When you read down to verse four and five, uh, it says that he's in the stronghold, and it's a different word. And so uh, what I'm saying is that that don't let your cave become your grave. Don't let your cave become your grave. There's a lot of people that are dying off during COVID. There's a lot of leaders. There's a lot of Christians who, who are walking away. They're rethinking things and, and they're getting lost in, in everything that's happening. And so uh, for me, this is the truth. Uh, Don't let your cave become your grave. And and a cave can be a mental condition. It can be something that's happening around you. Uh, It can be difficulty that you're involved with right now, but don't let that cave become a stronghold to when it becomes a grave. And uh, uh, we've all been there in one degree or one fashion or another as we work in ministry, as we live in ministry. But I noticed that... uh, that the prophet Gad finally came to David and really, he said, David, you've been here long enough. You've been in this cave long enough. Don't let your cave become your grave. And he calls David out of the cave. Now, the good thing is that uh, the prophet Gad, his name meant good fortune. And so I wanna encourage you that When we come out of a position we're in, whether it's an emotional thing or a physical thing or a ministry thing, that there's a good fortune of God that's ahead of us. (laughs) Out of everything that we're all experiencing or we have, there's going to be good things that come out of this. You know, the good fortune of God and the truths he's teaching us, uh, the different kinds of people we're ministering to and uh, doing things we never thought we'd do. And really, uh, for us in America, we're finding out that we're doing things that there's a lot of things we were doing in ministry that we really didn't need to be doing. And there's a lot of things that we thought that we need in America that we really don't need. You know, many times uh, I was in Pakistan starting a Bible school years ago, and as I was ministering there, the Holy Spirit said something I'll never forget. He said, these people have so little, but they do so much. You have so much in America, but you do so little. And boy, you know, that truth stayed with me to know that whatever cave I'm in, whatever situation I'm in, that I'm going to come out of it and and not get stuck. Uh, The whole world, it seems, is sent to their room has been quarantined Uh, now in Europe. Everything is re-emerging again. And in America, there's spiking of cases everywhere. Keep your eyes on the harvest and not the hell, and be productive in your prison, in your time. And then number four, in times of uncertainty, live in certainty. Now, There's some things we all don't know, but there are some things that we do know. We don't live in times of uncertainty, but we live in certainty and not uncertainty. And Paul deals with that in Romans chapter 8. And you know these scriptures very well, but I really hold on to these truths because things are uncertain everywhere. And in America, people are reaching out for certainty because uh, everything is is failed and and uh, the time we're in and now in the election and if uh if joe biden and the democrats were to get in america is facing a whole new world and all of us are and so we we can't live in that uncertainty but uh, we live in the certainty and and you know these scriptures in uh, romans eight paul says what then shall we say to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, that's a certainty. There's a lot of things I don't know, and I'm starting now my 53rd year of ministry, and there's, there's a lot of things that, that I don't know right now, but I know one thing, God's for me, and since God is for me, Who can be against me? And of course, Paul's answer is nobody can be against me because God's for me. And, uh, you know, uh, if you take nothing else away today from this, it's that God is for us and nobody can be against us. No ideology, no government, no leaders, no matter who they are, God is for me. And I can live in that certainty. I, I can smile with that uncertainty. I can get up in the morning ready to go with that certainty. I can lay my head down at night on the pillow with that certainty because God is for me. And uh, you know that truth, but sometimes we forget that. So the Apostle Paul didn't live in uncertainty, but he lived in certainty. Then another truth that comes out of this same scripture he said, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It's God who settles every score. It's God who does everything right. It's God who gives you relationship with him. And who can bring a charge against that? Because he didn't spare his own son, but he delivered him up for you and for me. And when I read that, he's freely given us all things and so uh, it's Christ who died and furthermore Paul says he is risen who is at the right hand of God and we're seated with Christ in heavenly places and so I'm not sure where we are there in that incredible revelation and truth but uh, Paul said in Ephesians "And, and we have been raised up lifted up and to sit in heavenly places With him. And so when all of these things unravel and they begin to come, uh, I realize this that uh, this is my certainty right here that I'm with him. And then finally, Paul says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Uh, He goes on to say, Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And he says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And he says, for I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, and they're everywhere, as you know, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so uh, I think Paul knew how to live in uncertainty with the certain truths that he knew. And so uh, this is very, very important. So then finally, in times of hopelessness, we have hope. And Romans eight eighteen. Paul gives us this great reassuring scripture. He tells us this. He said, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And so you brothers, you understand suffering. You know suffering. America doesn't know suffering. We, we may uh, we may enter into some of that. Everybody's suffering is of a different nature in a different kind. Some is physical, some is emotional, it's mental. Uh, for others, it's other kinds of restrictions. But um, anything we're going through here, whatever you're going through here, whatever you're experiencing, whatever I'm experiencing, that it's nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. So on the other side of suffering, on the other side of trouble, on the other side of evil, on the other side of uh, uh, everything that we experience here in life, there's great glory that's going to be revealed in us. So uh, I want to encourage you to, to live on the other side and to live in the glory before we have to Uh, experience the sufferings or in the sufferings, but there is a glory. There's a special reward. There's a special reality that comes from Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father God just waiting for you on the other side of what you're experiencing or what all of us may go go through. And so this verse has always been a, a a great comfort through the hurt and the pain and the sorrow this whole world is is encompassed in another level of sorrow and hurt and grief with with the COVID uh, as it may be in your nation here in America. If somebody gets COVID, then nobody can go to the hospital and see them. Nobody can be with them. And so a couple hundred thousand people now who have died and loved ones have not been able to go and to comfort them and to pray with them and to help them they die alone. There's a trauma that builds and and surfaces out of that kind of a thing. And uh, any tragedy is a trauma, but I want to encourage you that the glory that's going to be revealed, wherever we are, whatever we're going to go through, the glory that's going to reveal on the other side is going to be so far greater than uh, what we're experiencing. Then Romans 15 and 4 uh, Paul gives us another truth. It's uh, this is one that has brought me through my time in ministry and in life, in many times, and continues uh, to be a help and a strength. Paul says in Romans 15:4, "For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. This book, you know, this word that you have, that you preach, that you teach, that you live by, this word, through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures, we have hope. If I didn't have that, I would not be where I am today. Through the, For me, it's the the scriptures that bring the comfort and the hope. Some people it's, it's worship. You know, I have friends that get way up there in, in the spiritual mystical heavens and worship is what they come back to others. It's different things. And, and for me, it's, it's the word of God. And, and I know that it's that for you, but this word that's like a hammer that, that hammers us and, and it breaks down our our pride, or our ego, and it, you know, it just hammers you, this, this, this word of God, it's like a fire that, you know, that burns, Jeremiah's fire that burned in him, and he, he couldn't hold back, and he just had to preach again, and the Emmaus Road saints, those guys said, you know, didn't, didn't his word burn in us, and, and, and this is the hope we have through the scriptures that his word, uh, breaks up our fallow ground, it, it burns inside of us. It, it doesn't work inside of us to where it's a living reality. And it's just not a print and page and ink and somebody years ago, but the same Holy Spirit that wrote the word, the same Holy Spirit that, that brings it to us is just as real right now with the comfort and the hope of the scriptures. I want to encourage you in times of helplessness that we have hope. This word is the water that cleanses us and refreshes us. And uh Hebrew says it's the anchor for our soul. And so in times of hopelessness, we have the word that anchors us to Christ. It, 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 it tethers us to this world It it connects us to this world and joins us to this world. And, uh, I want to encourage you that uh, we look at the harvest, and not the hell. And uh, we, we, we're productive in this time in every way we can. God, God will give us ways to be productive, fresh and new ways. And, and if you're in the cave, come out of the cave before it becomes your grave. Move on into the good fortune that God has live in certainty and not uncertainty and uh, in christ we can do that and then finally we have help in the time of hopelessness and that's what i began with hebrews says that once more god's going to shake the earth so that those that can remain will remain and that we have an unshakable kingdom no matter what happens in america No matter what happens where you are, we have an unshakable kingdom. We're a part of a kingdom that is without end, the kingdom that's above us, the kingdom that's within us, the kingdom that's coming to us, the reign and rule of God that's in our life. We live in that certainty, and nobody can bring a charge against us. Nobody can uh, be against us because of who we are. And then Hebrew says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it's the unchangeable Christ. I want to conclude with a story. Many, many years ago, there was a missionary. He'd been overseas 60 years. He'd lost two wives, children, sick with disease, malaria, heartache, spit on, cursed, just treated wrong. And for 60 years... He was faithful to the call of God, and now he's coming home. He's on a ship, and he's excited about when the ship docks all the people that will be there to welcome him. So when the ship gets in the harbor of New York City, and they put the gangplank plate down to the harbor wall, there's bands playing, and there's balloons, and there's all kinds of festivities, and this old... Uh, worn out humped over broken down missionary is is getting excited and hoping uh, of the homecoming and uh, as they put the plank the the board plank down so they can walk to shore all of a sudden walking down the plank is the President of the United States Theodore Roosevelt and then he's waiting and as he's walking down the plank Nobody is there. And he starts weeping and starts crying and saying, God, all these years I've served you, I've paid the price, and there's nobody here to welcome me home. Then that sweet voice he was so familiar with said, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. Brothers, we're not home yet. Amen. We're not home yet, but that time is coming when we'll go home. Thank you for joining Joshua Nations on this episode of the Inheritance Podcast. For more information about the ministry of Joshua Nations, please go to www.joshuanations.org. To join our prayer movement, please go to prayer.joshuanations.org. We hope you will join us for the next episode of the Joshua Nations Inheritance Podcast. May God bless you.